we had a video somehow through the magic of the internet this week of our granddaughter walking for the first time. And if I'd have thought ahead of time, I'd have shown it to you. But Jeannie will be available in the foyer to show her after church. Annabelle Walker. <laughs> Everything changes for mom and dad then, doesn't it? Because the four-year-old will go north and the one-year-old will go south. That's just the way they work it out, it seems. And everything's different for Annabelle now with choices about where to go. We have those choices of where we walk and how we move and what we run towards. Over the past several weeks, we've been talking about things to stay away from. We've talked about the seven deadly sins. And this is the order we are doing them in, have done them in. We began with sloth, and then we did lust, anger, two weeks ago, pride last week, today, envy. Next week, the Sunday before homecoming, gluttony. That just doesn't seem about right, but that's what we're doing. Then after homecoming, grief. Envy defines. Envy is the desire to have what another person has. Now, Kay this morning used it. She said, I see you doing envy. And she said, I'm wearing a blouse because I somebody, saw somebody else wearing a blouse and I wanted it. Is that envy? No, no, that means you're style conscious, you like your style. If she'd have ripped it off of them and said, give me that, that would have been a result of envy. Envy's wanting what somebody else has, the exact item. Envy's really saying, I like what you've got, and I don't like the fact that you have it. So I'm, that's it. We're going to begin with a biblical example. And instead of reading to you a long story from the book of 1 Kings chapter 21, I'm going to tell it to you. You know of a lovely couple named Ahab and Jezebel. Not really a lovely couple at all. King Ahab was wicked and Queen Jezebel was even more so. They ruled the land of Samaria. And they lived in a gorgeous palace and they had everything they wanted. Life was great. Except. There was a patch of land next to the palace. That the king wanted. It was a vineyard owned by a man named Naboth. And Ahab would look at that vineyard every day from the palace. And he might walk through it. And he might walk by it. And when he saw it. It just aided him. I've got to have that land. And so one day, King Ahab went to see Naboth to make him an offer that he didn't think he could refuse. You're not going to refuse the king. He offered a land switch. He offered cash. Probably a fair price. But there was a problem. Legally, because of his faith, Naboth could not sell the vineyard. It was the land of his ancestors. And according to Leviticus and according to Numbers, Naboth had to keep the land. He could not sell it. The king was angry. And he felt entitled. And angry and entitled is a dangerous combination. 
So he goes home. The king does after the meeting gone bad. And he has a pity party. And scripture says he went to bed with his face to the wall and he didn't eat. Now if you know anything about men, they're going to eat. So Jezebel knew immediately something was wrong. No ice cream that night. Nothing like that. Something had to be horribly wrong not to do that. And his face was to the wall, which means he didn't want to talk to his wife. And I've heard of couples doing that. We've never done it. But I've heard of couples being mad and having their faces. So I had to research that to find out exactly what that meant. And he was just not, not good at all. And Jezebel noticed, and she asked, what's wrong with you? What in the world's the matter? And Ahab told his wife that Naboth wouldn't sell the vineyard and he was mad. Jezebel's mind began to turn of plans of what to do to get this vineyard for her husband who wanted it and deserved it. And she reminded him how important he was. Are you the king of Israel or not? She said to him. She made him a promise. Get up and eat something. And don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. I'll get you Naboth's vineyard. So what Jezebel did. Is she wrote some letters. And sent out some invitations. In the king's name. Inviting some community leaders to the palace. For a get together. Naboth was one that received the invitation. And he came to the meeting. Jezebel, in the meantime, before the meeting, hired two people of horrible character to sit near Naboth and to tell lies about him. To tell everybody that Naboth had cursed God and cursed the king. He didn't either. And yet, these were the accusations made when the banquet was held. So he's sitting at the table. The two liars hold their heads and said, I can't believe what he just said. He just cursed God and cursed the king. And in the uproar, the posse got together and took him out of town. And they stoned him to death. <coughs> and he'd done nothing wrong. He was innocent, but he was dead. Jezebel gives the land to her husband as a present. This is envy. And envy led to big trouble here. Ahab and Jezebel had no concern for the life of Naboth. And envy in this case led to murder and a multitude of others. James chapter 3 verse 16 sheds some light on this. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will be disorder and wickedness of every kind. And you can look at the news today and see that that is true. Where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will be also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. Envy is a gateway to all sorts of wickedness. Envy does not care about other people. And envy does not care about consequences. And there are examples everywhere, biblical and in the world. 
Perhaps you remember Wanda Holloway. If you don't remember her name as Wanda Holloway, maybe you remember the pom-pom mom is how she was referred to in the news. In 1991, she hired a hitman to kill the mother of a 14-year-old cheerleader in Channel View, Texas. And the reason she wanted the lady dead is she figured that the daughter would grieve herself so much she would drop out of cheerleading so Wanda's daughter would have a spot on the squad because she was the last one out. I'm not making, do you, anybody remember this? I'm not making this up. It is true. Envy does not care about other people and envy does not think about consequences. I almost showed this video, but I didn't because you saw it so many times. 1994, do you remember when Tanya Harding hired Jeff Galuli to beat Nancy Kerrigan's leg, her knees? Do you remember that? So that Tanya could be the darling of the ice skating world. Ice skating. And envy led to that attack. Envy does not care about other people. Envy does not care about the consequences. And part of the problem is a jealous sense of entitlement. We live in a world with uh, what well, Ahab did too, but there are a lot of people that we just feel entitled to have what you have. Not something like it, but exactly what you have. The envious person thinks that life is unfair and they deserve what somebody else has. I read this week, and I, I'm not giving you the number because it just blew my mind. I can't think it's possible, but Many, many, many people are killed every year because of tennis shoes. Do you know that? You'll see that on the news. That I like your Air Jordans or whatever the shoes are today. And because of that, I'm going to kill you because I want your sneakers. In 2013, not far from here, in Gwinnett County, 14-year-old Paul Sampleton was killed over his sneakers. He attended Grayson High School, was a star athlete who dreamed of playing Division I football, and he was shot multiple times in his home on Haynescrest Court on December the 19th, and his father discovered him. And three teenagers were arrested for the crime about tennis shoes. And see, that's what envy does. The three could have gone, they could afford a gun, and somebody could have sold the gun and gone to get the tennis shoes, doesn't it? Something like he had, but they wanted what he had. Envy does not care about other people. It does not care about consequences. Proverbs 14.30 about envy says this. A sound heart, a balanced life, is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bone. If your heart is sound in tune with God, you're going to be okay, but envy is rottenness to the bones. It's like a disease that rots you from the inside out and it steals your ability to think rationally. You've heard this before and I think it's true. If you think the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, you're probably not taking care of the grass on your side. When we're so envious about what other people have, we're not looking at what we have. And so to fight envy, you have to learn to care for what you have and to be 
care for what you have, no matter how much it is or how little it is, and be content with what you have. One author told a story about a man who was happily married, had a good job, made a good salary, lived in a good neighborhood, children went to great schools, he had good friends, loved his wife, but he went to a high school reunion. And at the reunion, he saw people he'd gone to school with 20 years before, and he heard about their jobs that sounded better than his. And he heard about their salaries, which were more than his, and their neighborhoods, which were nicer, and their marriages, which seemed better, and their kids, which were way more educated and beautiful than his. When he returned home, he felt inferior, dissatisfied with his life. And yet, absolutely nothing in his life had changed. What changed is about how he thought of his life. And that's the disease of envy. The man had a choice. A choice of how to view his life. A choice of how to think. But the sin of envy clouded his vision and his thinking. What's the cure? The cure for envy is love. Love for everyone. The ability to see somebody have something that's kind of special and to be able to say, good for you, I'm glad you've got that. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, the love chapter says this. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not, there's the word, envious. Or boastful, or arrogant, or rude. It's not in sits its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It never rejoices in wrongdoing. It rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. But it is never in this. If you love others the way you ought to, we would never end them. We'll be glad to love them because love is not in this. Back to James 3.16. We already looked at this once. For where there is envy and selfish ambition... There will also be disorder and the wickedness of every kind. Look at those two words, selfish ambition. That's a problem in our society, isn't it? Selfish ambition. As Christians, we need to put that away. And remember the words of Romans chapter 12, verses 15 and 8 through 18. When it tells us about the world around us, rejoice with others who rejoice. And weep with those who weep. And be of the same mind towards one another. Don't set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Don't be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. When we rejoice with those who rejoice, we are able to say good for you. When someone else gets the raise, or the job, or the thing, we can rejoice with them. But today, we live in a world of comparison. Remember the television, I had this conversation with a neighbor the other day. Remember the TV show, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous? And they would show all this stuff all these people had, and we would watch it and think, boy, I wish I had that, and I wish I had that. The problem is in our society, we compare ourselves to people who have more than us when most of the world has way less than we'll ever have. And we need to look in that direction. There's a video I want you to see about this.
Okay, so the comment on my photo. Ugh, look at that. Rachel Klein is showing off her new job again. What do you know? Loving the new beer belly, dude. You wear it well. Ha ha. Move to London this time. What's that? Three times overseas this year? Well, Brad, so I was done with the luxury of spending two hours at the gym every day, jerk. Looks like she's living the dream. Not that I wouldn't like to. I see Meredith has a new outfit. Again. Oh, look at this. Jason's getting his master's degree. Gosh, I'm Way to go, buddy. One of us actually went and did it. Guess she's got money to burn. Oh, Blake, Cal, and Ryan all went out last night. Thanks for the invitation, you guys. Also, they're having another baby. Guess I'm not as good at friends with them as I thought. Guess getting pregnant is no problem for some people. I'm so sick of gym posting. Oh my gosh, Katie. About how great it is. Your husband is perfect. Your children are perfect. for you. Whole family is perfect. Wow, just perfect. And you've got artistic professional photos taken in a field somewhere to prove it. I love this guy's design work. Ugh, this kid's a birthday Bounce house, pony rides, slim and slide. Effortless. The expectations are so high. From playing peewee baseball to his major league. How could I even afford something like this? Why even bother? Why do I even bother? What? They gave it to Cynthia? I interviewed for that position like three times. It was a shame. Fabulous meal out for freaking Jack. I needed that promotion. Yeah, I'd be that happy too if I were eating at Bistro. I'm gonna be stuck doing the same thing for the rest of my career. Not my charm initiates date nights. I do it wrong. Seems like Rick is pretty good at it. Why is life so much easier for everyone else? Why is life so much easier for everyone else? Facebook. It happens every day. People seeing things other people have, they forget what they already have. None of us are immune from envy. But here are some helpful hints. Be thankful for what you have. Be thankful for what you have. No matter how much it is or how little it is, you've got so much. If you walked into this place today, thank God you can walk. If you're able to see to get out, thank God you can see. If you are able to feel and to touch, thank God you're able to feel and to touch. We take so much for granted. Be thankful for what you have. And when you go home, look around and be thankful. Another thought that's going to be helpful. Stop comparing yourselves to those who have more. Stop it. Remember those who have less. That's most of the world. The third one. Do you really want to get what you deserve? Think about that for a second. If God gave you what you deserved, would you have more or less or would you have been zapped a long time ago. I think I'd have been zapped a long time ago. Thank God for grace. And lastly, love like Jesus loved. Love like Jesus loved. Jesus never envied one thing. But he loved all 
his life. That's the cure. 